what it sounds like I'm doing a lot of times is I'm preaching a sermon, and I, this is more of a Bible study, and I want to bring up something that, it, that is uh, more, the, more than just in the news. I'm going to give you some of the reasons behind all of this as well as I get into this. But let me, let me start off by I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to go through it again um, you know, carefully. First um, Timothy uh, 2.11, I'm going to start right there. Uh, is a very controversial uh, passage. Very controversial because uh, a lot of people want to interpret it in the uh, English alone. In other words, what happens so often is, in interpreting a scripture is, you take that in the English, and the English seems like it means this. When you get into the Greek, when you get in the original language, you say it doesn't actually, it's not actually what it says. And you have to pick something apart in order to be able to tell what it really is. And so what will happen is, is that anytime you deviate from what the people have uh, interpreted only in the English, they'll probably call you some kind of a heretic. But it's not, you're not really a heretic. You're really being really true to the scripture. So let me read this to you. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Now, that's the verses that you probably have dealt with somewhere down the line. And you probably have had some people say it has to be such and such because that's the way it always has been. And I believe that uh, a lot of times what happens is, is that they have taken these uh, verses and they do not put it into the context of the scripture. They do not put it into the context of the, uh, of the uh, culture that it was in at that time. And they do not understand what the scripture actually is saying. Now, this is not a scripture and, and not a subject to really be taken lightly. Saddleback Community Church, a huge church in, in California, has just been disfellowshipped by the Southern Baptist Convention because uh, they have a woman teaching pastor. Uh, now, that's not the main pastor, but she's a, a teaching pastor. She's teaching, essentially. Um, and uh, this one stands out and makes the news because of the size of the church, because they run probably, I don't have any idea. If I told you it's 20,000, I might be wrong. They maybe run 30,000 or more people uh, every Sunday, and they have several sites. So this is their situation. It stands out, and also there's a scope for teaching, because she's teaching uh, the whole church when she does teach. Uh, it, she's the... Uh, wife of one of the um, other pastors that are there at Saddleback. I have no idea. Uh, you know, when uh, I went down to Second Baptist Houston one time, um, Ed Young, uh, we had a group of us in, the, in a room probably about the size of this, and, and he said, uh, you know, I've got 500 people on my staff. And that was true. And he said, he said, when people say to me, you, I bet you don't know your church members. He said, I don't even know all my staff. And so, so the situation there is, is that I don't think that they know everybody, but that, that's the scope of that church, the size of that church. They also got rid of, of uh, or disfellowshipped is the word they used, not got rid of, uh, another uh, Southern Baptist uh, church in Kentucky who'd had a woman pastor for 14 years. I guess they just woke up and found out about it. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but, but what is going to happen is they're going to bring that to an appeal on the Southern Baptist Convention floor. And I got a feeling that's not going to go as smoothly as writing a letter and saying you're no longer part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I, I have a strong feeling there. So, now, we have had women preach here 
you know that we've had women preach here. And, and so that's not the same thing as having them as senior pastors, but it's, it, it goes along that same line there. Uh, so what we need to know is what does the Bible say? Not what we have had for tradition for so many years and even what we've heard from so many preachers for so many years because there's lots of preachers that I respected and have and still respect that will take the other side with this. But to me, this is a minor issue. I don't see this as a major issue. It has nothing to do with salvation. I can tell you that. It has nothing to do with any other doctrine. And, and it's strange to me that you would make a doctrine out of just a few verses just like this. Because they don't have a whole lot of uh, legs to stand on. Because when you look through the scripture, you find that Paul gives his letter to the Romans to Phoebe, a woman that he calls a deaconess. He says to receive her, which this means is she's not only going to go there to deliver the letter, she's going to explain the letter to them. And if she's going to explain the letter to them, she's teaching them, isn't she? I mean, that seems to me the way that I'd look at it and say that's what's going on. So she must have been educated and she must be in full agreement with Paul in this. He wouldn't have given her the letter to take in the first place. Priscilla is called by Paul a co-worker. And you see what he says there. And And she's the principal person to correct Apollos about baptism. Because he only preached the baptism of John. And so she was the one who took him aside and... It sounded to me like she was teaching a man. Does it sound like you? That's what it does to me. And he could, Paul considered her as one working alongside him. That's in Romans 16.3. And then Paul calls Junia an apostle. And this is a, a woman. Her, her husband was also called an apostle. He was an Adronicus in Junia. And in this, uh, I, an apostle was one who was sent. And so they were sent out uh, to, with a message of salvation. So many churches have backed off what this scripture has said because they don't like to get into the controversy. I do understand that. I do understand not getting in a fight with a lot of other people, especially on what I would consider not a major issue. Major issue in terms of uh, what we ought to do is we ought to get along when we don't have a major issue. And when we do have a doctrinal issue, then we, do, we really do need to, uh, to divide up. I understand that. But I don't think that's, that's it. So what would, if this scripture was taken to mean what it actually that says in the English, then you would say that a woman couldn't teach school either. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You take that as its literal meaning there. A woman can't teach school. And certainly a woman cannot be a leader in the church or a head of a company or any other kind of uh, relationship that is out there. So what they've done is they said, okay, now we can say that's okay. Even those churches are that uh, believe that this shouldn't happen in the church. And I'm going, what? Where do you, you can't get off that way. You can't get out of that that way. That doesn't work in terms, if you want to put this into the, the scripture, it says, so why would Paul, after he's told, you've got so much evidence of Paul appreciating women, why would he now say, women can't teach, can't have authority over man? And that's what they take. So let me do sort of like what I, I saw uh, Bruce Wilkinson do in his study. I took, you know, the way he does it, you know, he writes out the way. I, so I now will read this scripture and take it apart the way he does with his little sections in here. And so it says, let a woman. Now, why does Paul at this point, he's been talking about women. He said women should wear the, you know, they shouldn't wear the jewelry. They should be that. They should be modest in appearance, blah, 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 blah. And now he goes to woman. Suddenly, he goes from women to woman. 
So you have, a, you have an issue that is here. Is this concerning uh, the church? Is this concerning home? Is What is he talking about? Is he, specific, uh, is he speaking of a specific woman here? We don't know the answer to that. He says, hey, let a woman learn quietly. Well, this does not mean completely silent. You see, that word is the same word that's used in 1 Timothy 2, 2. Just a couple of verses up there, and it means to not disrupt the fellowship. And I would agree with that for men and for women. Don't disrupt the fellowship. And, you know, if this was dealing with worship, it would, it would mean one thing. But if it's dealing with the home or any of the other places, it would, it would still mean the same thing. And so it says, with all submissiveness. And then it says, I do not permit a woman. Now, that word, that is the per- word for permit or allow, is, um, is a present active indicative. It is not an imperative. Now, I want to make a point here. Paul could have made this clear if, that's, if his intent was for women to never teach, then, then he should have used a command. I do not let women teach. That's not what he did. He used a present tense Active indicative, meaning that he just made the statement. I do not allow a woman to to teach. This is a, this is a uh, this is a personal thing that he's saying here. It's, a, it's in the first person. I can tell you that. And it's uh, and then he says to teach or to exercise authority. Interesting thing about that word authority is the uh, word authority is oftentimes. Oftentimes is a uh, an infinitive. It's a it's a it's the only time, the only time in the entire Bible that word's used. And you're going to say, well, there's times when authority is used in the Bible. Yes, they use the word ekousia. It's a different word, not oftentimes. And when since you have nothing else to compare it with in the Bible, you have to go outside of the Bible and see how people used it. And it really meant on the outside world, when they said it, it meant to usurp authority. It was to steal away authority. It was to take authority. It is to, you know, come in and say, I'm the one and you're going to have to do it my way. And so this is the, that's the word that is, that is there. And so it was saying that a woman should not usurp a man's authority, or I would say on the other side, I say, and a, and a woman should, and a man should not usurp anybody else's authority. Uh, it says, over a man, rather she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Why does he bring this up at this point? What is the point in bringing this up? So why would Paul make this statement? I mean, so I looked at the, at the culture at the time. Timothy is in Ephesus. And if you've gone with me on one of those tours, you know you what Ephesus looks like. Remember, there's a town of about 400,000 people. And you remember, saw the ruins that were there, and there was a temple that was there, that, or was supposed to have been there, but it was, I think, one column that was left. It was the Temple of Artemis. Artemis was a woman, and the story on Artemis is, and here's the thing, uh, as I read this, and I read a whole lot about this, I found out that um, Greek mythology is not set. If you want to hear what I'm saying. In other words, these group of people will tell this story in this way. These people will tell it this way. And, you know, so it's all over the place. But generally what has happened is, is that Artemis was the twin of Apollos. And when she was born first, and this is the, this is the story, she was born first. She then helped with the, uh, the uh, uh, bringing the child uh, Apollos. Uh, to be born. I mean, they were born, the only way I can understand that is she must have been born full grown, or that's how they do it. Anyway, 
<laughs> I pulled him out. I don't know. What, I don't know exactly how that's happened. But anyway, uh, in that uh, town of Ephesus or city of Ephesus, I should say, they had a um, they had uh, a group of uh, Artemis priestesses, and they would uh, they would uh, teach in this in this place. And Artemis was considered the the one who watched after women when they had children. I mean, when they were, were birthing children. And so this is the, the thing that, that they had on her. Uh, and they believed that the woman came first and then brought forth the man. Understand what it was happening. This was, the, this, was this, uh, this uh, religion of Artemis that was there in Ephesus. So Paul says, Adam came first. Now, what that says to me is, is what he was referring to is, he was referring to this false religion, or what do you even call it, this cult of Artemis, or what are you going to call that it is there. And he was trying to say that because of the influence of these people that, I mean, they're coming into the church, and said their influence that they were thinking in terms of women should take control over the men because their own religion uh, uh, said that they should. So men were to subjugate themselves to women. And so, and it says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Well, in Romans, what is what does Paul say? Adam was the, he says, you know, the first man and he's the, you know, he's the one that's responsible and all of this sort of thing. So I don't think that he was trying to say that, that women are responsible for all the sin that is in the world. I don't, I don't really think that's what's going on here. So Artemis, understand a little bit about her. I mean, uh, she was a virgin all of her life. And she regarded her, her virginity with a really, really uh, a great deal of care. And what would happen is, I mean, there's so many stories I read about, about which, like she would be taking a bath and, uh, in a river or something, and, and some guy saw her, and she saw him seeing her, and she turned him into a deer, and then his own hunting dogs killed him and ate him. So <laughs> it's the kind of stuff that went on. So she was very, she didn't even, and, and there were other stories of people trying to woo her over and all of that kind of stuff. So this is the situation here. So she remained a virgin all of her life, I guess, as a god. I guess they have a life. I don't know what happens there. And so uh, this was the situation that they had. This says, and then verse 15, yet she will be saved through childbearing. Okay, if they, uh, if they, and here's the funny part. She will be saved through childbirth. It's singular. And then it says, and you can look in your scriptures, it says the same thing. It says they. They're right about that. It is they. It's plural. And I go, how did they, she shall be saved uh, through childbearing if they, <laughs> who are the they? Is it all the women? Is it the husband and wife? Is it? I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I, I got this. I'm, I'm suddenly saying I don't know. And so, who are the they? And it says, uh, and it says, if they continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control, or yeah, that's probably as good a uh, way to translate that as any, anything. And it says, so my best understanding of this is, is that like many of the epistles, many of the letters, they're addressing a specific problem. They have a specific problem that they're dealing with, okay? 
And Paul has been, uh, it starts off with, a, he addresses the problem of false teachers in chapter 1. He gives his own testimony of salvation and God's choice in his calling. He encourages Timothy. He speaks of obeying the governmental authorities that are there, making sure that they do that. Now, anyway, and uh, after what Mark has told us, you understand that a little bit better because if they uh, rose up and they, you know, said, you know, that, uh, that uh, uh, they weren't going to say any uh, prayers or whatever to the, the emperor and all of that kind of stuff, then, then uh, they weren't going to get the uh, dispensation. So they, they were going to get uh, angry with them because of that. So they said, you know what, we need to obey the, the governmental authorities. Uh, he speaks of his own calling. He addresses the, how people ought to live. He says women should live modestly. And they should not disrupt the church. So he's setting everything in order for what? For the church at Ephesus. To think that this is a global ruling here makes no sense whatsoever. Because the, the whole flavor of this thing is dealing with only this one thing. And so uh, what has happened in the church, it appears to me, because of this priestesses of Artemis, they're allowing the culture to enter into the church. And that's very, very easy to do because they were getting their theologies mixed up. And, and I, I know that a lot of people, they believe a lot of things that are not in the Bible. And, and they, we do the same thing. Well, here's, I mean, people will tell me something like, you know, and what I'm, I'm really afraid of is, is um, especially when I do a, a funeral for a child, is they're going to say something like, God needed another angel. The, the child did not become an angel. The angel is a messenger of God. I don't really like that that thought. I don't necessarily jump on people when they're grieving like that, but I certainly don't like that sort of thing. We hear, you know, people say you're going to become an angel when you die. No, you're not going to become an angel. It comes from a lot of uh, movies, and and even this, you have to be good enough to get to heaven. Now, that comes from the world around us, and we hear it all the time. We'll talk about that more in these other times. And it, and fact is, is there's this idea that everybody gets to go to heaven. If you realize what's going on in the in uh, the world right now, that everybody goes to heaven unless you're named Adolf Hitler, and then you don't get to go. But everybody else gets to go. Besides that, so that's the way it is. And so, and and you know, I have to say this. I've seen some funerals when the guy that is died who was the most despicable individual that you could ever, you know, know about. And you know what? Somebody will walk up and tell uh, the widow or somebody, he's in a better place now. I'll bet not. (laughs) That's my opinion, not my bet. So the cult of Artemis is all around them. And then Paul states the true story of creation, not the uh, creation story of Artemis, that the woman brings forth the man. He's giving the true story of creation. And so, and they would, have, they, they would have heard it from all around them when that happened. So, as I said, Artemis was a virgin for life. She supposedly protected women at childbirth. However, the number one way that a healthy woman would die in the ancient world was in childbirth. Understand this. And so, if they were turning to Artemis to protect them, he said to them, you don't do that. It says, if you follow and walk with the Lord, do depend upon Him, 
to take care of you. Now, this is not going to be the, this is not a promise type thing. Understand, there's many places in the Bible people want to take as a promise, and it is merely a principle. The principle is, is that you're better off walking with the Lord than not walking with the Lord. You're better off depending upon the Lord than not depending on the Lord. And so this is a situation. So they were placing their faith in Artemis rather than in God. And so they were being saved through the childbearing, not going to heaven because they were in childbearing. You don't go to, I mean, women don't get to go to heaven just because they had children. I mean, that's not the, that, that goes against everything else we know in the Bible. And so what happens is it, they needed to walk with the Lord. So it's a principle, not a promise. And so in this situation, I believe that in this church at this time, he was saying, I would not allow a woman to teach. I think it was very, very cultural. It was specific for that time and that. And there was a couple of reasons. One, because the cult of Artemis was so strong and that mixing those theologies up or I don't know what mythology and theology that goes on in there. The women uh, there, especially if they were coming from the Greek uh, groups of people, uh, would have been uneducated in the Old Testament and scriptures and therefore would not know much about the New Testament either as far as what they were doing. They wouldn't be able to teach. And I think this is a general rule of culture. I do not see a command here. I didn't, I'm taking this into the uh, context of the scripture, and I think it is addressing an issue. And that's really all it is. That's the, that's the situation. And uh, I, the problem that I have is we made a doctrine out of those few verses in the only place that you can find that sort of thing. I mean, it, to me, that that's, should set us off anywhere. It should, in the context of the Bible. I mean, because Paul certainly appreciated women. It was not negative on women. But in this case, he was addressing an issue. So I believe that this is cultural, and that's all it is.